Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, episode 127. That's a little toss out to Eli. (laughs) This is episode 127. Today, I'm here with David Lee and Lee Mackey, and we're looking forward to the conversation. Last week was an election week, so a lot to talk about. Um, We're now in a week removed from the midterms, and the, the question is, what's next? As it stands at the time of this recording, Democrats will retain control of the Senate. Right now, Republicans are closing in on a small majority in the House, but there are still several races that may not have been called. There's debate over which outcome might help the economy the most, and we'll get to that just in a moment. But if history is anything to go by, we typically see some good numbers in the market following midterm elections. An interesting fact is in the last 60 years, there's only been three midterms in which the S&P 500 gained less than 8% over the following year. And all three of those times, we had already seen higher than average gains the preceding year leading up to the midterm. Obviously, that's not what we've seen year to date. So history shows us, you know, the the next 12 months could be good when it comes to the markets. Lee, David, what are y'all's thoughts, comments on that? You know, my initial thought is that the markets like gridlock and we are assured of gridlock for the next two years. Um, And what I mean by that is the markets, like many of us, do not like change. And the markets view a divided Congress and then, then, you know, the Democrat in the White House you know, they viewed this as, hey, status quo for the next two years. There's not going to be any radical tax policies. There's not going to be a lot of, you know, crazy new laws on the books. And so the markets view that as positive. I think you couple that with a negative market this year. There's pent up demand. If we can get the Fed to cooperate, I think, you know, you could see, you know, a, a good 2023. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at, you know, the statistics on this, uh, the typically in the six months following a midterm election, the S and P 500 average performance is up a gain of 15.1 percent, and in the 12 months following a midterm, uh, up 16.3 percent. You know, I think that what's interesting is I, I think that a lot of people, you know, not just the markets, but I think a lot of Americans really felt like the Republicans would probably make more gains in both sides, the the Senate and the House, and I think that certain industries probably felt like they would get some decent legislation out of out of that with the Republicans controlling both houses. That has not materialized. So I think, you know, especially, you know, energy sector really kind of felt like there would be some positive things come out of Washington if they were to have both sides of the of Congress. That hasn't happened. So I think we're just kind of I mean we're gonna have a lot of the same. Yeah. The and you know, you, you mentioned gridlock earlier, Lee. I I kind of agree gridlock is 
usually a good thing because that means government's not quote unquote getting anything done. You know, sometimes you hear people in the media complain about how Congress never gets anything done. Well, the founders kind of intended it that way, right? They, they checks and balance. Yeah, they made it difficult to get quote get stuff done in government because when government's getting stuff done, that means more laws, more regulations. Government is growing, and whenever government grows, freedom, economic freedom, tends to contract. So, <clears throat> um, hopefully, the Republicans will take control of the House like they're projected to. Uh, it does look like, unfortunately, the the Democrats are going to maybe have the Senate by a slim margin by Kamala Harris's vote. It looks like, but um, but if the Republicans hopefully can take the house then we'll at least have some of those checks and balances needed to kind of keep government in check so that's yeah. what i'm looking for and hoping for. like we've been saying for a while now we've been talking to clients the it's not that the market doesn't care about politics but it cares a heck of a lot more about inflation and rates and right yes. and we saw that perfect example of last week inflation report you know numbers came in a little lower than expected and the market took off. I mean, the NASDAQ closed the day up like 7% or something crazy. And so that's just kind of yeah. goes to reiterate, like, elections are important, but right now, inflation rates, yes. what the Fed does is way more important. And what you just said also kind of, you know, piggybacks on what Lee was also saying a minute ago about how there's uh, this pent The market kind of wants to go up. You can feel it, you know, after this bad year where it's down. I don't even know. I've been gone for a month now because of... Uh, for what we've been going through, but I, what is the market down like 20% or something? The major indexes are still down like 20 to 30. Yeah. So, I mean, the at. market is looking for any sign of good news. It looks like to go up. I mean, that's why you saw the Dow rally. What it over it was like 1200 points, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Last week, yeah. last Thursday or Friday. I can't remember what the day was. Um, so yeah, I think any, any bit of good news, we're going to see the, the market hopefully want to try to rally on that. One major factor these elections might have, and one that we, that could impact any upward momentum in the market will begin to take shape this next month. Here's Yahoo Finance breaking it down. Now, specifically, the, de the date that I have in, in my calendar is December 16th. That could even be more important than the runoff down in Georgia. Here's why. Government runs out of money, and they've got to keep the government open in order to avoid a partial government shutdown on December 16th. The biggest unknown variable at this point is whether or not in that conversation in Washington, D.C., they're going to juxtapose that with raising the debt ceiling, which is, of course, about $31.8 trillion. Basically, if Congress doesn't act on the debt ceiling in December, they will have to act on it sometime early 2023 before the U.S. hits our current debt ceiling limit. If Republicans gain control of the House, that could mean a gridlock government as the U.S. begins to run out of money and possibly the first downgrade to the country's credit rating since 2011. We increase it we borrow a bunch of money and then we're back to square one and it's like we get to this limit oh friday night the debt it's gonna expire and it's just it's we've talked about this on previous episodes right yeah. if you go back and look at i don't even know what the episode numbers are but um where we talk about the u.s being the world reserve currency or the dollar rather being the world reserve currency that's really what allows us to just print money to kingdom come essentially and it doesn't have as big of an impact on us as it would have if we weren't the world reserve currency. Right. So to me, that's, that's the, the, the thing to look for is, is there any real threat to the dollar's hegemony, if you will, as a, as the world reserve currency? Because until, unless and until that happens, I think 
the Congress can essentially get away with just continuing to raise and raise and raise our debt ceiling. Part of me almost wishes they would, I mean, I don't mean this, I don't think I mean this, like, literally, but, it, like, pass some, like, floating limit that just, in, instead of having to have this conversation and the same news line, headline every, like, two months of, hey, we're going to hit the ceiling, debt ceiling limit again, we've got to pass, just adjust it. I don't know, I mean, is this, is it just me, or is this something that pops up, like, two or three times a year? I mean, I think it's a couple times a year, and I'm just sitting here as we're as we're talking about it, thinking, you know, I don't even, I probably should take it a lot more serious seriously than I do, um, but, you know, the Congress is going to do what the previous Congresses have done and punt it down the road and, you know, ad- address it another time. Um, and I hate it, but that's 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 the, the world we live in right they'll, now. They'll, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, they'll never address it ever. Um, I mean, you, the, no one want, no one wants to be the Congress that took the tough, hard, that's right, painful steps in order to get it under control. When, like we, when we went to Tulsa a few weeks ago, Lee, you know, Brian Raspberry was talking about how it's one will probably never pay it off, and it doesn't become an issue unless we stop growing because it's a balance sheet, right? And so, if as if your liabilities are growing, that's great and it's manageable and it's fine as long as your assets are continuing to grow. But if you hit a point of or a period where you're not growing, but your liabilities keep growing, you know, that's where you really run into an issue. So the question is, can we keep growing at a sustained, you know, rate to keep spending the and way I think, spending? And I think the answer is yes, as long as government kind of stays in check, yeah. right? And so you talked earlier about how the market doesn't care too much about politics, but it, it kind of does. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an, it has an impact, it has but an it's impact. not the driving force. Yeah, it's, it's not the dri- certainly not in the short run. It is definitely... It, it's not the driving force, but, you know, if you have a Congress that, uh, and I'm just going to use some examples from recent history here, that if you, if you started to have majorities that believe it's wise to defund the police and have open borders and have, you know, sp- spending un- untold amounts of money on just stupid stuff, that's financial mismanagement. That's going to lead to potentially, it'll catch up with it'll you. Catch so, up with yeah. Just like if you mismanage your household assets for a long period of time, it's going to catch up with you. And so the same thing will happen to us as a as a country if we if we elect unwise leaders continually, that will catch up with us because those unwise leaders are going to make unwise financial decisions with the treasury as it relates to the treasury that will have negative impacts in the long run uh, on the economy. So. And growth goes back to we uh, all kinds of things. We've talked about birth rate trends. You know, we a while back talked about Elon Musk tweeting out, hey, we need to, you know, everybody needs to have more kids. I've That's done right. my part. I've got six or something like that <laughs> where it's like, hey, really our problem is we don't need to be having fewer children because of that's kind of the whole climate perspective of, hey, we need to have less people. He's really to sustain to sustain, to sustain growth. You've got to have people. Growth, we need to have, yeah, people need to be having kids. Yeah, so. I used to talk about this. Well, you guys know at seminars uh, in the early years when I was getting the the business started, I used to talk about how you could predict long, long economic cycles or um, macroeconomic cycles, I guess I should say. You could predict like macroeconomic cycles based on birth rate trends because in the U.S., 70% of of our GDP comes from consumer spending. The typical consumer peaks in spending between 45 to 55. So naturally, if you've got a growing 45 to 55-year-old demographic group, you're going to have a growing economy and vice versa. And that's, you know, I don't want to get too far off the beaten path here, but that's one of the reasons why we're 
big on supporting next generation charities here at Mach 1, like Loving Choices and Fellowship of Christian Athletes and The Call, which is a foster care agency and things like that. That's critically important to the economic success of the nation 40 to 50 years down the road. Right. Absolutely. So hard, hard pivot from that <laughs> going to crypto. I saw Anthony Scaramucci said last week was the worst week in, in the history of crypto um, for crypto. So meanwhile, like crypto investors are dealing with their own crisis. FTX, one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges, has now filed for bankruptcy and the CEO has resigned. The situation itself with FTX is evolving as we speak, and we could really get into the weeds pretty easily. But in short, there were reports coming out recently about the company that spooked investors who then started trying to withdraw the investments from the exchange. FTX couldn't meet the incredible demand, which was reportedly around $6 billion over a three-day span. Now we're seeing an enormous ripple effect across the industry, with the major cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ether seeing significant drops. By the way, FTX was once valued at $32 billion. So Sam Bankman-Fried, I think that's his name, not a huge crypto guy, but that he was the CEO of FTX. And someone was quoted saying this last week or two or the pretty short period of time was one of the most significant examples of uh, wealth destruction that we've ever seen because his personal net worth was like something like $16 billion. And now he's basically broke. Wow. And so it was a pretty wild event, what we've seen in the crypto space. I mean, Bitcoin and Ether and all of that is, is not worthless. I mean, it's not like it's, but you see some of these things starting to implode. It's what we've talked about for a long time of how it doesn't mean it's going to zero. Again, we're still not saying Bitcoin is, is going to just disappear, but the idea that it's going to take over and people are going to have confidence in it and, you know, it's going to replace the dollars we know it and all. All of these things that really had some major traction a year or two ago, I think this is a good example of, you know, we're still, if that ever happens, we're still a long ways from it happening. Yeah, for sure. I think it's um, it's very interesting. We've had lots of discussions about crypto over the last year or two on this podcast. On another note, uh, it's interesting, you know, Tom Brady, he's had a he's had a, a bad year. You know, he and his wife, or I guess ex-wife Giselle. now, I guess they were... Um, I think he was like a major spokesman for FTX, and she had some kind of role in the company uh -huh. too. And a major part of their compensation was uh, was uh, FTX currency. So not only is he uh, getting you know net worth taking a hit from divorce, but also from this FTX thing. Rough year. Yeah, rough year. <laughs> well, crypto. I think it was Crypto.com or FTX was the sponsor for or the naming rights for Miami Heat's. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're um, taking it off stadium the, and yeah. their arena and they're pulling it. Oh, and so wow. like you're seeing some of these things where, you know, people talk about when you see a, an arena, you know, being named or so it's like that's the sign of a bubble. Well, <laughs> yet again, uh, yeah, to be true. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, it, it's we've gotten we've had some listeners of this podcast that have even gotten upset at us saying some of the things we've said about crypto. I had a guy like personally attack me. Yeah, it's online. crazy. It's like it's it's almost like it's a religion, you know, you're attacking their their faith or something. That's something that they've got faith in. Um I've always believed that the you know, maybe this is the old guy coming out in me, but it's always just it's never quite computed with me. You know, at least with the dollar, you have a currency. Yes, it's ultimately it's still a piece of paper. And so 
Um, but it, but that piece of paper represents the full faith and credit of the United States Treasury backed up by the United States taxpayer. Crypto is nothing. There's yeah. nothing behind it. Absolutely nothing. And that's why I think you can see billions and billions and billions of wealth destroyed overnight. Kind of like, and again, I, I hate to use all these pop culture references, but uh, Kanye West, this is not a, this is not a um, crypto deal, but did you see that his net worth dropped by like one point? He's no longer a billionaire now. Did you hear about this? So uh, Adidas, he, yeah. I guess his line of clothing or whatever that he has is with Adidas. And I guess he got in trouble for saying some anti-Semitic things. And uh, they dropped him. And so his net worth dropped from like $2 billion to $400 million or something like that. Because <laughs> How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to feed my family? Charles pretty well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting week. I mean, it's interesting how fortunes can change so quickly. You know. I mean, I I go back to if I don't understand it, I'm certainly not going to recommend exactly. it to my clients. Right. That, that's and that's what we've said for a long time. That. The one thing we've landed on, if if we've had people come in and say is like, if you want to take a certain amount of money that you yes. are comfortable going to zero, and and speculate, by all means, go yes. for it. And it's but, and and I think we talked about it last week on the podcast. Is there is a reason why it is an unregulated security i mean you cannot buy it at any investment firm you have to be able to you, you can only buy it online i mean it's unregulated there's a reason for that yeah. you know so yeah. anyway interesting yeah good conversation today any final thoughts no no nope. nothing all right man y'all are awesome okay <laughs> and as always we want to end with a thought of the day the happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts as always, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit mach1financial.com disclosures.